Epiphany Anglican Fellowship in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Welcome to Learning with the Lion, a community read-through of the Gospel of Mark. Over the summer of 2023, members of the Ligonier community are coming together to walk through a 13-week exploration of Jesus' life, practicing reading the Bible together and asking what it means for everyday life. For more information, visit epiphanyligonier.org mark, where you can also sign up for our companion e-newsletter. Of all the theologians in church history, St. Augustine of Hippo is widely regarded as the smartest. His reflections on sin and politics, mercy, the trinity, the soul, entertainment, grace, all of it, have stayed with the church for over 1,500 years. He is an intellectual heavyweight, a philosophical force to be reckoned with, but he wasn't very good at reading the parables of Jesus. <laughs> In this fifth part of our Learning from the Lion series, I want to share with you the best way to read the parables. It's literally true that when you go to the dictionary, the Oxford English Dictionary, and you look up the word parable, Jesus is listed in the definition. It's impossible to separate Jesus and his ministry from his parables. Throughout his ministry, Jesus will use these short, pithy stories to illustrate spiritual truths and explain what the kingdom of God is like to friend and foe. If we were to understand Jesus and his ministry, we need to understand Jesus' parables as he intended them to be understood. Interpreting these parables, however, has been a challenge throughout the millennia. In our reading today from Mark 4, we see that even Jesus' disciples have trouble understanding everything he taught. To help us read the parables correctly, I thought I'd offer three tips, three things that you can do when you approach a parable to help you understand what Jesus meant to teach. First tip. To understand Jesus' parables, look for themes of judgment. Mark records in our reading that Jesus didn't speak in parables because they were effective teaching tools. He taught in parables because he was standing in a long line of Old Testament prophets who spoke to people who refused to hear what God was trying to say. The parables, according to both Isaiah and Jesus, were a way to speak about God's kingdom that acted as a winnowing fork separating those who understood the kingdom of God from those who did not. Do you remember those magic eye puzzles from the 90s that were all the rage for a while? They were these digital illustrations that were nonsensical at first, but then you held them up to your nose and slowly pulled them backward, and then your eyes would uncross and a 3D pattern would emerge in the illusion of something new and different. I could never get them when I was a kid. I I still can't, frankly. I I don't get them. I still try to do those magic seeing eye puzzles, but I don't see them. But many people could, and they would say frustrating things to me like, don't you see the rocket ship in this one? Don't you see the dinosaur in that one? No, in fact, I did not see them. And 25 years later, I still don't see them. I have no clue how those magic eye puzzles work. But for Jesus, the parables function like a magic eye puzzle, but it has nothing to do with the eyesight of the person, whether they understand it or not. For some people, they will understand them because their hearts are ready to receive the kingdom of God and they are ready to repent and follow Jesus. But others won't. They will have no idea what the parable is about. They won't understand what it's trying to teach and they will go on living as if life has not changed. 
So that's the first tip for reading the parables, is to look for judgment, to look for ways in which the parable is a word of judgment against people who don't take the gospel seriously. The second tip is this, don't expand or overthink or allegorize the parable too much. The simplest meaning when you look at a parable in the Bible is probably the correct meaning. This is where St. Augustine tripped up in his reading of the parables. Everything for St. Augustine was over-spiritualized and filled with allegory. Here's an example. Here's how he read the story of the Good Samaritan. He said this, and I'm I'm reading a quote from one of his, his works. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Adam himself is meant. Jerusalem is the city of the heavenly place, from whose blessedness Adam fell. Jericho means the moon, which signifies our mortality, because it is born, waxes, wanes, and dies. The thieves are the devil and his angels, who stripped him, namely, of his immortality, and beat him by persuading him to sin, and left him half dead. But insofar as he is wasted and oppressed by sin, he is dead. He is therefore called half dead. The priest and the Levite who saw him pass by signify the priesthood and the ministry of the Old Testament, which could profit nothing for salvation. And so on and so forth here. Every single little detail of this parable, from the coins to the oil of healing, has some sort of grand, extra deep meaning to it. And, well, Jesus doesn't seem to really want people to think that way. He could have been more explicit if he did. The real reason we have the parable of the Good Samaritan is to bring judgment and shame on people who are trying to reduce the scope of what it means to love one's neighbor. So Augustine turns it into an allegory of the Christian life, but Jesus never actually taught or meant that. So it's a good tip to say that plugging in characters or ideas or expanding into every part of the parable, that's not what Jesus wants us to do. Unless Jesus explicitly says otherwise, assume you have everything you need to understand the parable at hand. The third tip is to check your footnotes. Many of Jesus' parables are riffs on important Old Testament themes, and his readers would have understood them just as we could understand them if we were as steeped in Old Testament imagery as they were. Is there imagery in Jesus' parable about a wedding? Well, then that parable is probably drawing on the Old Testament prophecy that links the day of the Lord with a great wedding banquet. Is there a parable about sheep and shepherds? Well, the parable is probably drawing on Old Testament themes that tie kingship with the occupation of shepherd. Shepherds were a metaphor for what it meant to be a good king. Does the parable include a vineyard? Well, then it probably has to do with the Old Testament imagery that compares Israel to a vineyard. And so this is a parable about the whole of the nation. So let's put it into practice today. The parable of the sower in Mark 4, the parable of these four soils, it's a parable about judgment that is true. Many people in the crowds hearing Jesus preach from the boat will fall away from the initial enthusiasm that they're experiencing. Satan will attack, life's hardships and persecution will choke, and the worldly desires will draw them away from the gospel. But to the faithful remnant, the ones who hear him, well, they will witness his resurrection and take on that mantle of reproducing and multiplying the gospel message over and over and over again. We are not necessarily to understand this text as a command to change our soils, as if we could actually do that. We are not meant to sit there and ask and reflect on the status of our hearts and what soil we are, We are simply to take Jesus at his word, 
that the proclamation of the gospel it comes from a generous sower. Even though he gives the gospel to everyone, however, not everyone will take advantage of it. It will not land on the soft soil of a broken heart, and it will not grow into something bigger. That doesn't stop the sower from sowing. And so we see in our reading a mix of God's mercy and his gospel and his law and his judgment all together. A gracious God who gives and gives, but whose gracious message continues to fall on deaf ears. Epiphany Anglican Fellowship in Ligonier, Pennsylvania.